Well, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Merry Christmas, family of Christ. It is uh, so good to be with you, even if it's just virtually. Uh, you know, this has been a, an interesting deployment for a lot of different reasons, and uh, I'm just thankful for the opportunity to spend uh, part of this Christmas day with you, sharing God's Word. Uh, you can see here that I am uh, in my clue, my, this is my home, my closed living unit is the, the name for it, and uh, you can see I've got some lights there behind me. Uh, my wife was kind enough to get that for me. As a matter of fact, I have this handy-dandy remote. I can hit red or I can hit green. I can change all sorts of colors. But uh, at any rate, uh, I digress. Um, but God is so good, and I'm glad that I can join you this Christmas, show you where I sleep uh, and where I live, and uh, but more importantly, share the good news of Jesus Christ. And so that's what we're talking about today. And our theme for our, our consideration is, what are you waiting for? And, and that's a great question to ask because uh, the whole season of Advent is one predicated on this idea that we're waiting and we're waiting. And uh, you know, you can perhaps remember as a, as a kid how anxious you would be waiting for Christmas Day, right? The, the presence under the tree, the idea that you know, the family would have a special meal and that you'd have some real good time with your brothers and sisters and your mom and your dad and it was just going to be a, a great day, a different day, different than all the other days. But there are other things that you had to learn how to wait for and you had to wait for. Maybe the day you turned 16 so you could get your driver's license. Maybe you were uh, just couldn't wait for the day that you'd get married or the, the wait, wait for the day that you got out of high school or college. Um, so. There are different reasons why uh, we wait and why it's challenging at times. Um, you know, some people say, I can't wait for my last day on deployment. Uh, the, I can't wait to get back home. Uh, and certainly, um, I can identify with that one. But I want to read to you a passage uh, from the Gospel of Luke, and it's one that you've probably heard a few times here this last month. Uh, In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, uh, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the of the house and of the lineage of David, to be registered with his wife Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. So for all this talk of waiting and how I can't wait for this, that, or the other, today the wait is over. It's Christmas Day. Our Lord Jesus Christ has been born and the fruition of God's promises have uh, begun to show and, and take root and, and be in objective reality. Uh, we know that uh, Jesus' birth and his life, his death and his resurrection are all integral to our own salvation. And so today is the day where finally, after all of creation has been crying out, when will there be restoration? When will these things come to pass? Think about it, all the way from back when Adam and Eve first fell in the garden, right? 
And, and God said that there would be punishment. There would be death. There would be pain in childbirth and that the, the fruit of the earth would not yield without toil and hardship. And so here, the birth of Christ, Christmas Day, that's a day where the wait is finally over, where people can say, it's happened. I didn't know when and if it was going to happen, but it finally happened. Maybe you can identify with that. There have been those things that you've waited for, hoped for, prayed for, and you never knew if it was going to come to pass. And then one day it did. I'm not going to talk about the Chicago Cubs. I'm not going to talk about the Chicago Cubs. At any rate, uh, on to a different topic, um, bureaucracies. You may wonder, why is that going to make it into a Christmas Day sermon? But actually, when you look at the text, there is a census, there are registration. There are people who have to leave where they are living and go to where their family lineage is from. Um, that's a bit of a bureaucracy, isn't it? And if you aren't sure what a bureaucracy is, I encourage you to go on a deployment with the United States Navy. Okay, okay, if you don't want to do that, I encourage you to go to the DMV. Yeah, go ahead and go to the Colorado Springs DMV and just spend five minutes in there and you will learn what a bureaucracy is. And we give bureaucracies a hard time, right? We talk about all the processes and how it's not very friendly and it's not very flexible. Um, but we believe in a God who works through means. And believe it or not, God works even through bureaucracies. I mean, think about it. Uh, the chaplaincy in the military is considered a bit of a bureaucracy at times. The church, the institution, is considered a bureaucracy. Uh, you know, fill in the blank. There's a million other things we could talk about. And yet, God works through these means and others. And in today's text, we see that. We see that there had been uh, prophecies written of Jesus that he would be born in Bethlehem. In Bethlehem, you know, the line in the lineage of King David and Bethlehem is a small place. Uh, that word literally means house of bread. And of course, Jesus famously says in John, uh, the Gospel of John, that he is the bread of life, and those who eat of it will never hunger again. So it might not surprise us in a season where there are gingerbread houses that, that this house of bread would play an important role. And so um, this bureaucracy this Quirinius, right? How, how often would we know the names of various people, historical figures? We wouldn't. But here, Caesar Augustus is mentioned. And I love that because it tells us that our faith is rooted in historicity, in facts. It really happened. This isn't some kind of fairy tale. This is something that happens and, and it's real human history. Our faith is not make-believe. It's founded in the God of all truth. And so here we have a bureaucracy in service of God's plan of salvation. And that may be surprising to you, but it ought not be. Now, if you've ever spent any time around bureaucracies, you know that waiting is part of the deal. Uh, nothing happens all that quickly. Typically, it takes time. Well, if you think back to how many people and how long people waited for just this Jesus to be born, for God's Savior to arrive, we could look at the prophets. You could look at somebody like Isaiah, or we could even look at Micah. In chapter 5, verse 2, we read, But you, Bethlehem Ephraim, though you are of little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me 
the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth and are from old, are from of old and everlasting. You know, way back then, God's plan was for Bethlehem to be the birthplace of Jesus. And that's exactly what happens. It happens in a be unconventional way, yet that's what happens. And so those prophets waited. And think about it. They were given a word by the power of the Holy Spirit from God to, to proclaim to God's people. And then many of them would live and die in generations before this particular prophecy was fulfilled in the greatest possible way, right? Because oftentimes with prophecy, there's the now and there's the not yet. So there's a way that some of these things come to pass in smaller, more immediate ways. But certainly, Jesus is the more lasting and bigger, significant way. Not only did prophets wait, but so did Mary and Joseph. Can you imagine how long that pregnancy must have seen for them? From the time that Mary had uh, Gabriel come and tell her about what was going to happen, or Joseph in the dream having that vision. Um, maybe all the people who talked behind their backs or right to their face, um, who said they're not even married and, and she's pregnant. Um, and to just wait for this baby to come. And they probably had people pouring into them, just like if you remember the, the time, if you uh, are a parent, if you, you know, can remember back to that firstborn, uh, those nine months leading up to it, how people poured into you and they told you all the advice they had to give. And sometimes it was helpful and sometimes it wasn't. But as they poured that into you, you, you tried to say, well, here's what I'm going to do to get ready. And you were prepared as much as you could be, only to find out that you weren't that prepared. Nothing really prepares you for children. And so Mary and Joseph are waiting. They're waiting not only for the birth of this child, but for the words of the angels to come true. That this isn't just any child, that this is a child of promise. And so um, Mary waited. Joseph waited. And finally this day, the wait's over. I think that's magnificent. I think that's wonderful. I do wonder, though, out of all the parts of the Christmas story, especially the ways that we see it portrayed by children so beautifully in children's program, although I got to tell you, this year's one program at Family of Christ is going to be hard to beat when you have, you know, um, Batman standing next to Darth Vader and uh, you've got Hermione. There was a lot of great kids, uh, you know, of course, dressed up for the Christmas program, but oftentimes you see Mary and Joseph approaching a door and it's the inn and they knock on the door and the door swings open and there's an innkeeper there and uh, the innkeeper gets a bad rap in my opinion because oftentimes he has to say, if he even bothers listening to whatever Mary and Joseph say, uh, he says either no or there's no room in the inn and he just slams the door unceremoniously and I, I don't know if it really happened that way but um, I will not criticize a child's interpretation of this text, um, at least in terms of drama. But I love this slide here, and you can see it. Each of us is an innkeeper who decides if there is room for Jesus. Um, there's part of the slide that I really like, that quote, and there's part of it I really don't like. Um, that word decide, uh, decides is a problem for me uh, for a lot of different reasons, and I'm not going to go into that because I say it all the time. But I will say that I, the best construction of this particular slide is that um, we have an opportunity to make room in our life for God, or we have the opportunity 
to make excuses for why we don't make room for God. Those are really the two choices, I suppose. And, um, you know, for the innkeeper, putting the best construction on it, uh, when there's a registration, I'm sure the room's booked up pretty quick. I'm sure that family connections got, um, hey, can I crash at your place? I, I'm sure those things filled up really fast. Um, I, I, I'm going to guess that Mary and Joseph's situation may have caused some strain on their family relationships. I'm going to guess that traveling from point A to point B took a little bit longer with a pregnant woman. Um, for whatever reason, they, they don't have a place to stay. And, and I don't think it's really the innkeeper's fault, but I will say that for you and for me, that question, what are we waiting for? Is, what are we waiting for? What, if we're not taking our faith seriously now, today, what are we waiting for? Are we waiting till we hit a certain age? Are we waiting till our kids are out of the house? Are we waiting till we have kids? Are we waiting until we're married? Are we waiting until we're divorced? Are we waiting until we start a new job? Are we waiting till um, a, a different pastor comes to the church? Are we waiting until, I don't, I think sometimes we put things off, including taking our faith very seriously and making room for Jesus. When was the last time that we spent time enriching our lives with God in a, in a very intentional way where we're making room for Him, where we're pushing other things out and we're not just giving God the leftover space in our schedule? When was the last time that we missed something that we really wouldn't want to have missed, but we believe that going to church or spending time with our family in devotion or spending time in prayer or God's Word was more important and we prioritized that and we made space for it? What are we waiting for? You know, um, obviously I'm coming to you from my room and this is actually the second time that I've recorded this sermon. The first time I recorded this sermon, uh, as you can see my bed is right over the shoulder there, it was completely not made. It was messy and uh, I didn't think twice about it. Recorded the message and I started the playback and it drove me nuts. And I can imagine it could have driven you nuts. This is me making my bed well I know it's still not good and it's probably not up to your standards, but for me and for Navy, I suppose, at least in this location, um, uh, it's good enough for, for that. So, so I get back to that question. What are we waiting for? Are we waiting for something different? Why can't we take today and make it a day that we make room for Jesus, right? I always look forward to Christmas morning uh, for a lot of reasons. One, when the kids were little, it was there's nothing beats it. But, but two, it was the one service out of the year that I could sit with Raquel and my kids and listen and worship to the service uh, as a congregation member, and I wasn't the guy up there giving the word. I don't get to do that this year. I don't get to hug Raquel, and I don't get to hug my kids, but I pray you do. And I pray that you know that our faith is founded on waiting. Yet, there's a balance there, right? We know that Jesus uh, was born, right? He came, he died, he rose again, and Jesus is going to come again. So Jesus, we're waiting for him to come back. We're waiting for that wonderful day in which he will make all things new. But that doesn't mean that we wait idly. And that mean, doesn't mean that we wait uh, and do nothing. Rather, I believe today is the day we can make some changes. Today is the day that we can turn over a new leaf. Today is the day that we can say, Jesus, I want to make room for you. Um, Jesus, I know you have a plan for me in my life. And so I'm excited 
for you to enjoy and celebrate this Christmas, but I'm also excited at the opportunity that you will have to share that joy of Christmas with others and to carry your faith into the new year and do new and different things. Um, with that being said, uh, God's grace and peace be unto you this Christmas day. I pray certainly God's richest blessings, and I can't wait to see you again. Bye.